there's nothing like solving a real problem. And I'm amazed at how few founders I meet are solving proper, you know, real problems. You know, they, they overinflate the problem to try and get our interest as investors and, you know, whether we're just in investors or we're investing our time. Hello and welcome to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal hosted by Blue Drop Studio co-founder Anna Rowinska and myself, Omar Juman. This podcast has one vision, and that is to educate, inform, and inspire others who are trying to build their tech brand. Tune in and listen to us chat ideation, marketing, scaling, and everything in between with up-and-coming entrepreneurs, stakeholders, and investors in tech startups across the world. We'll be diving into the details and also hearing about the journey. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. In this episode, we're speaking with Hannah and Stephen from InsureTech Gateway. InsureTech Gateway is the only FCA-authorized independent incubator and fund. It's the fastest place to build and launch an InsureTech idea. Hello, everyone, um, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Spaceship Podcast. Today, we're joined by Hannah and Stephen from InsureTech Gateway. Thank you very much for joining us today, guys. Uh, yeah, tell us a, a little bit about what you guys are up to over at InsureTech Gateway and a little bit about yourselves. Hi, I'm Hannah. Um, I've been working in the insurance sector for about the past seven years. Um, joined the Gateway at the start of 2018 to head up their marketing and comms. Very nice. Hello, I'm Stephen Britton. I'm one of the two founders of The Gateway. Um, my background was in product innovation and helping corporates crack the, the massive disruptive power of digital and how they could start to launch new businesses. And The Gateway is a, a model, which is a, a venture-backed model, which is effectively a, an incubator where we work outside of the industry and we enable tech founders to prove an idea and we have a venture capital fund behind it. So once we've de-risked them, we help them scale. And we've been, as Hannah mentioned, running for four years. We've launched 20 odd businesses and 18 are still still thriving. Yeah, incredible, good stuff. So you mentioned that, um, that you're one of the two founders. Um, so if you have a co-founder, um, what, what's their sort of role and what sort of roles do you guys cover between yourselves? There's a, uh, there's a, a, a very simple answer to that question is that, so my business partner, Robert Lumley, is a fourth generation insurance man, um, which means that he, um, he's long gone beyond the point of getting too technical about insurance. <laughs> and he is um, a maverick and he wants to see change and wants the kind of spirit that his great grandfather and grandfather put into the sector. He wants to see it reborn. And he's yeah. very excited about digital. And this chance to actually do that reset on a market. So he's connected and intelligent and mischievous enough to want to give it a go. And so he is um, a number of things. He's our, he, he has been our insurance chaperone, helping us meet people that would otherwise be frightened of us. Um, and I say us, I, I, I'll introduce my, my background is more in the tech disruption. I've worked in digital tech for the last, well, for too long to remember now. Um, digital has been around for a while now, hasn't it? So I'm, I've been in this space for over 20 years, developing the first of various kinds of products for new markets. And so R Robert is, is uh, the hot knife to go through the butter. He helps us get access to all areas and, and, and has, has been a translator 
for the violence of the new technology ideas that, that, that I have been finding and seeking, I say I, I mean, that was the original pairing. Mm -hmm. And between us, we have effectively translated all the possibilities and potential of the new, new technology and laid it down in an old school, dusty herringbone jacket kind of way for a different kind of audience. Yeah, awesome. So you mentioned, um, you know, you guys have been up for around four years now. So, you know, tell us a bit about the ideation and, and sort of formulating this idea of InsureTech Gateway. How did you guys come about that idea? I think um, the idea, yeah, the idea was um, was based on um, our. The, uh, Rob and I got together and we we, we did a very nice walk around the block, uh, which turned into about a four hour conversation, where um, we we were both obviously fully aware that other sectors, other industries, have been completely transformed by digital and more importantly by people that clearly understood what digital means and can do to companies, and that. Uh, almost none of these people had made it to insurance okay um so we i mean they literally it's the last place that anybody wants to go with that kind of skill set and with that kind of energy and with that kind of access to investment and teams and ideas it's like the lot why would you bother there are so many other things to do and um so the conversation literally started with well we've seen the immense potential we're sitting you, you've got the the skeleton keys to a trillion pound industry. Why don't we um, see if we can build, and I think the language was the best mousetrap for talent. So yeah. how do we make it seem possible and exciting that the kind of technologists that were upturning the logistics markets and the taxi markets and the retail markets and all the things that we hear about on a weekly basis, how do we make this as attractive to bring them in? And we knew that it was going to be a combination of some some um, natty storytelling to show the opportunity. But beyond that, we had to do a lot more than any investor had, done, uh, had ever done, that we had to provide a suite of capabilities to help get into the market. So the, I guess the gateway became a combination of um, you know, a big promise that we could get people into market. But the reality of it is that we had to become a broker ourselves, which I can't tell you how painful it was. <laughs> we became the world's first FCA authorized intermediary. As a, as a venture fund, which sounds like a load of paper filling. It was a load of paper filling, but it cost us a million pounds in a year and a half of our lives. And we could have been doing all these other wonderful innovations. Yeah. But we were quite committed to putting a great big hole into the market so that we could bring new people and new ideas into it. And that followed with the necessary funding and insurance partnerships that would give the capacity. I won't get too technical in this audience, but you need an insurer behind you. When you mm -hmm. start, you need someone to provide you with the underwriting capacity. As mm -hmm. you'll see on any insurance policy, there's always a name at the bottom. This has been underwritten by. So you need to bring all these people with you. So in short, we had to, um, to create a gateway to attract non-insurance people and really brilliant disruptive tech people. We had to take all those headaches away. And that took us the best part of two years in stealth. Incredible. Cool. So around two years in stealth and then you know, how did the, the launch look like when you guys first came out with, I guess, that first, I suppose we could talk about MVP if we're talking about some SaaS solutions, but, you know, what was that first iteration of the, the incubation program? Um, what did it look like? The, um, 
I'm just racking my brains, actually. I'd love to tell you the lovely polished one that we're doing now. Yeah. But the gaffer tape version of it. That's <laughs> the, the, the tape, more interesting one. Yeah. The gaffer tape, it's interesting, the gaffer tape version of it was, um, I mean, it's probably not terribly interesting, but reality was we had these, you know, in principle, we had all these authorizations, but no one had put it to the test. And the MVP of it was us, you know, really with, with um, kid gloves on. Mm. carrying everything and doing and being pretty much a, a third member of the of the teams of the founders that we were helping going to every meeting reassuring reassuring translating and it was a bit, i guess it was a hand-holding exercise a stewardship exercise mm -hmm. and so I, I guess our mvp was um we just have to do this as if we're not a technology company ourselves we've just got to do this old old-fashioned way and yeah. be a kind of an insure tech broker Cool. Um, and then that gave us the design principles for building the machine that could work at scale. Brilliant. So talking a little bit about some of the, the companies that you guys have taken through the program then, um, you know, from that, I guess, initial onboarding point of view, what stage um, or, or what situation are those companies typically in before they jump into the incubator program within SureTech? Is this purely just a, an idea or a concept at this stage, or do they have some form of, um, you know, product to market? Um, so we work with founders who are super early stage. So it could just be an idea. It could be something that they've scribbled on the back of a napkin back when we're allowed to go to the pubs. Absolutely. <laughs> um, or it could be pre-seed. Um, but yeah, really early stage. And that's because really what we've built at the gateway, our capabilities that we have shaped have most value for those early stage companies. Our SCA regulation and the access we give them through that um, doesn't have any value if they've already gone through that process themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's why we tend to focus on those really early stage ideas with founders. Cool. What, what are some of those capabilities? So we've got three core capabilities. Um, we provide investment, so that's pre-seed up to Series B funding. Um, and we've got, as Stephen mentioned, our dedicated gateway fund to follow on with those companies. Uh, we work closely with the companies, uh, guiding them hands-on with product market fit. And then we also have our insurance platform, which includes securing them insurance capacity, uh, the FCA authorization, as we've already mentioned. And then we've shaped our own set of insurance metrics as well, which really helps us translate the ideas uh, that our founders have to the insurance industry. Cool. And, you know, I, I want to ask a quite a fun question. So, you know, what would be the ideal, I guess, I want to say ideal client, but the ideal um profile to come across you know insure tech's desk then let's say what are you guys really looking for um in terms of ideation in terms of i guess scope and future roadmaps you know what does that perfect golden egg look like to you guys at this point good question i would categorize it personally as i sort of see um insure tech i mean everyone's got their own definition of what an insure tech is right um, but I think we sort of you see insurtechs that are very much um, efficiency plays, things that can just sort of plug straight into an insurer and help them um, become a bit more digital, help them do things a little bit faster. Um, and then you've got the other side of insurtech, which is very much revolutionising the insurance products themselves. And that's that's what I think we are really interested in: these kind of like game-changing products, uh, bringing brand new insurance products to market. 
Um, for example, um, you've got brand new emerging economies all over the place at the moment. Um, uh, cryptocurrency would be a cool example of this. So um, it's brand new. It's got no data behind it. No one knows or has much interest in insuring it. Um, and so that's the kind of challenge that we really like to sink our teeth into. Yeah. Um, but there's a, there are a few groups that have emerged that, um, have, that really struck, struck, uh, strike a chord with us. And we call one, we, we call one group the, um, the emerging economy domain experts. And the reason we say that is, I mean, the, the example that Hannah just gave of kind of cryptocurrency experts is because this, was a, this is a, a classic example of a sector that has emerged over the last 10 years. Yeah. That has kind of gone through a wild west phase where God knows what's going on with valuations and have I been hacked and where is my crypto? And you've got a, and a traditional incumbent industry of bankers trying to write it off continually. And then you have the continuing maturity of the sector that happens as banks get involved, more senior investors get involved. You know, it, it, there's continually a tension of, a, of an emerging sector like that. And then, and then a, a, one of those experts walks in the door to the gateway and says, I've been working in this sector for the last eight years. It's time we got insurance, because if we get insurance, then we will be legitimate to the banks. And they've recognized the step change that happens. That they 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 are there to lead the maturing of that sector, yeah. And that phenomena has happened in a lot of places. That, as Hannah, you know, described these kind of new economies, mm -hmm. where this, you know, rampant digital growth has happened, but it's happened slightly flip. I say flippantly. I mean, it's all been growth, growth, growth. And the, and the insurance is the kind of the last guarantee that all stakeholders are looked after and protected. So it, for us, it kind of typifies. You know, uh, crypto has come of age. Yes. Why? Because they're with us. Why? Why is um, the gig economy has it come of age? Well, almost, because a gig economy is full of problems and people picketing on the streets, and you know, not everyone's getting their fair share, and not everyone is protected. The sharing economy, likewise. Um, so we are seeing um, this general development of, you know, brilliant unicorn ideas, but you know, they're heading our way. And someone's stepping out of those industries and saying, I better run ahead of this plan. I better get an insurtech sorted because we won't get access to some of these markets without it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really, really interesting. I, I love how you say, you know, once they're with us, they're sort of ahead of the packs, kind of like come to the dark side and we'll... <laughs> well, you, yeah, if, if you had a video, you could almost see the Death Star behind us. Yeah. Lucky it's a podcast. <laughs> Definitely should have put that in. Um, we'll use that in the thumbnail, but absolutely. <laughs> and and that's that's a really, really cool point. And I love sort of the, the idea that, you know, should you want to actually gain um, an advantage potentially within your emerging market, whatever that may be, gig economy, crypto, for example, you know, one of the ways in which you can be viewed as a legitimized company um, is to, you know, sort of get involved with that insure tech and, and, and have those people behind you backing you. I think that's yeah, incredible. Yeah. Well, um, it's, it's quite a promise to be able to say, try my new product or your money back. Yeah. And insurance offers you the chance to say that. Yeah. I mean, what, a, what a guarantee of your new promise. Yeah. That's incredibly powerful, especially from a from a marketing point of view. Absolutely love that. Um, but I guess there's a another governing body we battle with, um, and yeah, the ASA can be quite tight on that type of stuff. But um, cool. So, in, talking in terms of um, some more definite examples, then, and I'm not asking you to pick any favourites, but what are some 
fun companies that have come through your process already that you guys, let's say, were really happy with the fact that, you know, they signed up with you guys, went through the incubation program, they're successful now, um, and, or well, I say successful, they're still around now, um, and, you know, it's had a, a, an impact on their journey as a business to growth. So not picking any favorite. Um, Disclaimer. Say, <laughs> they might be listening. Moment, by Miles would be the star of the show. They have been um, with us from the start. So they're one of our, our you know, original portfolio companies. And they just raised 15 million in their Series B back in the summer. So I can wow. say, you know, by Miles are starting to hit that level where we're starting to call them a success. They've got insane ratings on Trustpilot. Um, it's amazing to see people get so enthusiastic when they talk about their insurance company. Like <laughs> their reviews, it's really cool, especially as someone who, um, you know, has been in the industry for a while. And it, it gets a bit down, you know. Everyone is quite negative outside of us about the insurance sector. We obviously think there's loads of cool opportunities, and in fact, we don't even like the word insurance. We prefer to use the word protection because that's what we're really doing. We're protecting people. And um, yeah, so going back to buy miles, uh, it's been really cool to see them in the news all throughout lockdown and they're all over the place at the moment, really pushing for the industry to refund people their car insurance that they're not using at the moment throughout lockdown. So they've really been um, sort of lobbying wow. that cause for good at the moment, um, which is really awesome to see. Yeah, that, that sounds like a great, um, a really, really nice sort of value prop there um, and the benefit of working with that. It's really can, cool. I sh can I share one? Of course. Okay, there's a site. Um, by the way, we have a lot of favorites. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we might have to just Disclaimer extend the session while we, uh, while we tell you, while we pull out the lot. <laughs> but um, there's, a, there's a type of business and um, there's a business called Flood Flash, which is really exciting. Mm. And they are one of three, four businesses that we've supported that, um, that are in the natural disaster space. Okay. And um, so flood flash is, um, depends who you talk to. I'll, I'll, I'll explain it how an insurer would explain it. And, and, and flood flash is, a, is an event-based insurance product. And that's killed it already for most of your audience. Um, but basically it means that um, if you were a business owner, let's say where your recording studio normally is, I'm sure it's probably, you're in the second bedroom somewhere, yeah. but um, your premises, <laughs> Your premises are by a river and, um, and a flood comes by once and takes all your recording equipment away. And then you're left without a podcast for three months while you're waiting for the insurer to settle. Mm -hmm. That's a kind of classic, oh, but it's in my flood policy. Um, flood Flash came up with an idea and you can imagine more acute customer scenarios than your own where they put an IoT device, a sensor on the wall. And when the, when the river floods and goes in and destroys your studio, a check lands before you phoned your insurer and says, here is the money you thought you needed as an emergency, you know, budget to get you back up, you know, go, go and get yourself a studio up the road and sort yourself out and keep your business running. Absolutely. And that kind of thinking is consumer first. It's a wonderful use of technologies. They managed to create a business case where the installation of the device was cheap enough that it could be wrapped in an insurance product. Okay. Which is a, which is a, there are a lot of business models in that space for any listeners who are in that kind of hardware software space. Um, and the genius of insurance, of course, is that it's an annuity business, which means every contract they win, 
they put a device on the wall, their business plan says that customer's hanging around for eight to 10 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, used to, we all used to talk about subscription boxes and about, wow, I've got a monthly income. They get one customer and they've got an eight-year lifetime yeah, value on a business huge. case. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the first thing that's interesting. Now, because it's intelligent and they've got the data coming in of weather and all the contextual data, they're able to have an app that goes with it and they could, they could ping you and say, you know that studio of yours, you do realize that the river is going to burst its banks this afternoon and it's probably in everyone's interest if you get your favorite kit out. Yeah, that So is they're preventing really cool. things happening as well. So it, everybody wins. It's become a dynamic communication platform, a piece of IoT, and they've got a wonderful annuity business. Like We're going to see a lot of these in the next few years, hopefully from from people that get that kind of hybrid hardware software models and can yeah. just start to frame that now in an insurance annuity business. That's incredible. I, I love that idea. Um, it's definitely something that I would use. I think, you know, if I was in that situation, I just have in my head, I'm picturing, um, we, we live in Twickenham. So when you go oh, yes. sort of down the road towards uh, Richmond, um, there's one path just by the bridge where at the very bottom, there are a set of offices uh, and you always see the business in that office change every couple of years. It's just that it's a different, different business. Yeah, they the go time. out in and out with the tide down there, don't they? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you see it flooded all the time. And I'm just thinking it would be perfect for them. Well, funny um, enough, they went down there to do their MVP. Okay. Yeah. 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 And they were, they researched and met those, those many of those businesses down there. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a perfect, yeah, that's really cool. Um, all right, great. So, so jumping forward then, um, let's talk a little bit about marketing. Um, so let's touch on InsureTech Gateway for this. So, you know, at InsureTech Gateway, um, what sort of marketing are you guys employing at this point? Um, what, what channels are you using? What tactics are you guys using? You know, how are you planning to grow the reach of InsureTech? So our marketing focuses on two areas, really. We're really lucky on both accounts. Um, The first is, as we explained earlier, our capabilities are really awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, They're so helpful for our founders. We really focus on um, spreading the word about what we do um, and whether that's within the insurance industry itself or more so now outside the industry, um, like, for example, doing this podcast mm-hmm. um, to try to connect with those um, founders, those outsiders from outside the industry, maybe with more tech backgrounds who are interested in coming in and how we can be an access point for them. Um, and then also our founder stories, um, the success of our portfolio uh, reflects success for us. So we love sharing all their good news. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a lot of referrals from our founders. So typically you guys are really sort of focusing on that, that content led approach then. So leveraging things like success stories from your clients, um, or I guess projects that have come through the incubator program, um, as well as, you know, spreading brand awareness by podcasts and stuff like that. So what other channels are you guys looking at? Yeah, absolutely. I think we sort of hit up all the standard channels as marketing goes, cover all bases. Um, The events in industry within the insurance sector is particularly tricky to navigate as there's a lot of um, startup tourism. So we have to navigate that um, and work out which events are valuable for us to attend. 
Um, but what we have actually started doing this year is creating our own events, which has allowed us to connect with communities outside of the insurance sector. Um, so examples that we gave earlier, you know, um, events uh, hosted for the sharing economy, gig economy, crypto economy. And we've actually got one coming up on the 25th this month which is all about how InsureTech could unlock your business model, um, which is going to explain to um, tech founders or domain experts um, all the awesome opportunities there is within the um, InsureTech business model space. If you're perhaps working with um, things like big data sets or underprotected communities, um, there's lots of opportunities there for them to move into the space. Cool. And how have you managed sort of setting up the events? Are they all digital at the moment? Yeah, all digital at the moment, I'm afraid. We're looking forward to getting back out in the real world one day. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? All right, I just want to take this uh, this sort of opportunity to ask a little bit about the branding. And I'm sure, Anna, you've got some questions around this. Um, but I really love it. I've, I've been on the site. I've looked across sort of the, the digital presence. Um, and I really like, you know, that, that digital footprint you guys have and the brand that you've got sitting on digital it looks really cool uh, it's definitely a lot fresher than most of the insurance stuff i come across online um and yeah it, it just looks really cool so when did that become a conversation you know when did you guys implement or roll out this brand and did it look like this to begin with or how did it develop it was um absolutely in the blueprint at the beginning which we we, we were just not going to look like insurance in fact, if you ask me the question, we were joking about this earlier. If you ask me the question, how long have we been in insurance? I still don't work in insurance. Mm -hmm. So it was critical that, you know, the story, the story, um, the, sorry, the brand is built on two very basic principles. This is the fastest place to launch your idea. And that we can provide all the capabilities to get you success. And we are, and all, and, and all the components of this said we are founder first. Um, a founder that comes to us will retain ownership and control of their business when they build intellectual property and insurance through having policies and structured documents that they would own it. Um, when they go to launch and somebody wants to, um, a very big company comes in and tries to sort of aggressively work with them, we push them back out the way and it's still their business. Um, and we, um, yeah, the reason I think you like it is because it looks like something um, aimed at founders which is a mm. rare thing in insurance. Um, so but, but, by the way, we're grateful you've noticed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it definitely stands out. And uh, that leads me to, to a question about your culture then, because of course you guys are paving the way to really push this industry into the, the sort of the future direction. And of course the people that you choose to work with, they have to, fit and have and share the vision that you guys of course have for for the growth and for your uh for your company so um are there any foundations or are there any key things to that you look into when you look to actually expand your team i'm just i'm briefly pausing because we definitely have this but i don't think we've written it in quite the same way um with if i look across the team um which is a we're seven we're eight people in the team and um, everybody wants to be part of a challenger business. So that was, so we know, that, and, and, um, and I think one else in common is that they've all done very difficult things, mm. unpopular, difficult, challenging things. Um, and that was a part of the interviewing process and the partnering process, which is 
so tell me something really difficult you've done because every a lot of people you know we meet a lot of people who have had these kind of dream careers or they've had dream academics they've never got less than an a in their life and they've worked with the best brands in the world and then they walk into insure tech and it's like you need people who can can think on their feet got creative problem solving skills um and it's been a real team effort i mean it's an incredible team effort and people who have watched us or joined us have been slightly overwhelmed at the beginning about what it would take to be as good to be a peer to that because we're all different i mean hannah's a marketing expert and gets things you know really moving when it comes to all these channels as i explained to you robert is old school insurance and just kicks big doors down um charlie is a former you know, army scout who went to Afghanistan on two tours and he's fearless and puts a backpack on and just goes and finds the things that we need finding. Maria will, will, um, is a five language speaking Russian who will, um, walk into any unknown situation and then simulate and understand how it works and translate it for us. So very, very talented people who, um, who join a team of people who understand that the problem is three dimensional and all around us and can help us communicate. I'm, I'm getting big on my answer here. It's probably not where you wanted me to go. No, no. But I guess the, the, common, yeah, the commonalities are they come, from, they come from diverse backgrounds, so they bring something new, and they probably bring our ability to speak to new stakeholders with them. Um, Absolutely love it. I didn't mention Richard, who is you know, really guiding us towards venture capital. Venture capital mm-hmm. is kind of the, oddly, it's one of the last places we're mastering because it's by, by early success, we've managed to de-risk some businesses. Now we need a bigger fund. Now we've got to learn to be a VC. Um, and I don't think many people start that way around. They start from being a VC and then just spend a lot of money and see if it, what works. We worked, out, we worked out how to do it and now we're trying to scale it. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah. So is that, sorry, I guess there's a, a common sense of adventure and a common sense of respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. I mean, that that sounds like definitely the right sort of pieces of the puzzle to, to join together. And um, now if we sort of look at the, the startups that you guys work with, so in terms of that branding conversation, and let's talk about them a little bit. So um, when do you think is the right time for a startup, insurtech startup, to start thinking about branding? And what also, what does it mean for them as well? Because there's messaging, there's values, there is... Um, of other things identities but you know of course this is an industry that's definitely paving a new path so what does branding mean for them and when should they start thinking about that it's in, it's interesting where um there's kind of leading and following or first should i say there's first a market and there's fast follower and i think if a market's been established if a business model has been established so as in you're familiar with pay by the minute telephones Mm-hmm. Like we're all familiar with that. So then it becomes, how do I become, what's, how do I get an unfair advantage through good branding to target a given group? Um, so that's, that's, you kind of need the business model or whatever you call it, the, the paradigm to be established. When you've got a brand new paradigm and you're just trying to work, work out if it's even right. I mean, mm-hmm. like pay per mile insurance. Like, should we call it that? Mm-hmm. Should we call it insure as you go? <laughs> what is it? I mean, should we just make it free with a car and it's invisible? I mean, all those conversations went on in the first year. Should it just be invisible and part of the car? Should it be present and part of a, a new insurance conversation? 
should it be given to you by your dealer when you buy it as part of a co-branding with the manufacturer? Mm -hmm. They went back and forth. We went back and forth on their behalf because we kept telling them how important branding was. But so I think if it's a new paradigm, you've got to let your new paradigm kind of work itself out mm -hmm. before you brand it. Because yeah. buy miles makes perfect sense now. We realize it's people buying their insurance by the mile, doesn't it? But it really wouldn't have done back then. In fact, it wasn't called that then. But mm -hmm. I think if you've got a fast follower, if you're coming in to be better in a market that people understand, then I think that branding is one of your unfair advantages that you can bring forwards. Um, and I guess maybe that's a simple rule that we've led on this, that if it's first to world, then let's just explain it and see whether the behavior is with us, whether we can change consumer behavior, mm -hmm. whether that paradigm can exist. Um, Incredible. I love, I love that point of view. That's a really cool way of looking at it. Um, I've never sort of looked at it. I, and I guess this sort of comes from more of a um, investment focused background, but really looking at it as, you know, those first movers versus those followers. Yeah. Um, it's okay really, to be really cool. a follower. You just got to design yeah. out. You got, mm -hmm. you, you get to be, you know, um, the fetish of design just comes over everything, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. you know, you're totally focused on a given subgroup because you're taking a paradigm that people understand. And it's anyway, like I said, I could talk for too long about this. Yeah, it, it has been. And I think that's been our simple left, right cut on that. Looking a little bit at um, the roadmap for the future for InsureTech Gateway. Um, so yeah, what do you guys have have planned coming up? Um, I understand uh, you mentioned there's a couple of things being, you know, reiterated and released soon or recently. Um, so yeah, what does that roadmap look like for you guys at this point? So I guess uh, the plan for the next year is to invest um, about 30 to 60 million in an additional 30 insurtechs. Um, so for us, that means mm -hmm. we need 30 awesome new founders, which is uh, you know one of the reasons why we're here and we've referenced it before. Um, we're really focused now on looking for founders from um, continuing to look for founders from outside the insurance space. Um, founders that are focused on solving real world problems um, for for real people. All right. So usually before we wrap up the podcast, then um, there's a couple of questions we like to ask. So now there's two of you. So we'll jump into, I guess, Hannah, we can speak to you first on this one. So um, what are some of the, the nuggets of information you could distill from your journey um, being involved at a marketing capacity within InsureTech uh, Gateway over the past years or however long, I, I can't remember how long you said you had been part of the team, but um, yeah, over that journey, you know, what are some of those nuggets of information you could drop on the audience and distill? Hmm, I think I would say um, the main thing would be is don't say anything that you can't uh, back up. So we like to have evidence behind everything we say. So rather than just being, um, putting ourselves forward to be like a, a thought leader um, and talking about more sort of abstract things. It's quite easy to get caught up in that whole, like the future of the industry. We really like to back up what we say with, with real examples, which we're lucky enough to be able to pull out from our portfolio. Cool. Stephen, what about you? No, I think there are two, there are two things I think that jump are jumping out of my uh, cluttered mind at the moment. Um, one is um, there's nothing like solving a real problem. And I'm amazed at how few founders I meet are solving proper, you know, real problems. You know, they, they overinflate the problem. 
to try and get our interest as investors and you know whether we're just in investors or we're investing our time um and or, or either that or they're just not describing it well to understand it um in so many we need to really understand it in multi dimensions we need to understand it from um you know the economically socially and we need to understand it from the challenges that need to be overcome to make something work i'm amazed at how little time is given and effort is given to define that problem it's pitch 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 and um and bear in mind that we my day can be on a, on a pitch day where we're listening to various proposals we can walk out of a room with a guy from nasa who's been looking at fire from space into a room with somebody who's been looking at um at um cryogenic freezing labs and fertilization labs and they're one opposite side of the corridor to the other and you walk in the door and someone just hits you with how ready and how big this thing is but they haven't really given us the insight to understand the market space and where the real need is and i would spend three quarters of your pitch on that and what happens at the moment is i get five percent on that and then i spend the next hour trying to go back and understand what the problem is exactly because i'm pretty damn sure that they're going to have to pivot three times to solve it so i need to understand i need th them to be as very as familiar with the problem as they are with the solution um and that's so that is my biggest lesson as an early stage investor um and i guess the second point is um i i'm an, i i'm I know, i'm personally i do always describe myself as an ideas person and i i get totally seduced by big ideas um but I've really learned the importance of execution. And I guess the third chapter in every good pitch is when you give me the money, this is what I'm going to do with it to get progress, to get progress, to get validation and traction. And um, so um, I guess I'm reshaping re a pitch that says, this is how big the problem is. And this is exactly how I can characterize it for you who don't know this problem. Two, this is my ability and my team and this is probably a product that might work to start with. And and three, this is how we will execute and what our next milestones will be. When you hear that pitch, it's pretty hard to walk away from it. And I'm amazed at how few people do it. So a massive thank you to Insurtech Gateway for speaking to us. You can find them online at insurtechgateway.com. You're listening to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal by Blue Drop Studio, a digital marketing and creative content agency based in London, UK. We're on a mission to grow the tech brands of tomorrow with creative content and social media advertising. Check us out on LinkedIn and bluedropstudio.com or hit us up on social at HeyBlueDrop on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Your hosts are at Anna Rawinska and at Omar K. Juman. If you want to talk about digital marketing for your brand, drop us a line at hello at bluedropstudio.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.